This morning, I want to speak to you about hindrances to spiritual power. Now, the promise we studied in Sunday school this morning in Acts 1-8 is just as real today as it was when it was given by the Lord nearly 2,000 years ago. And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. That power is the dunamis seedling power of the gospel about which Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel itself is the power, the dunamis power. That doesn't mean it's dynamite, although it is. The word that was used in the Greek, dunamis, sounds like our word dynamite, but what it really means is seedling power. And you drop a little seed in the ground and it dies. And then God waters it and it germinates and it begins to grow and grow and grow, sometimes into a big oak tree, sometimes into a lovely flower, sometimes into a delicious tomato or some other vegetable or fruit. The Bible says the gospel is like that. It is the power of God dropped into somebody's life and it grows and grows and grows and makes a life meaningful and beautiful and enabling to be powerful. Well, if that's true, why there's so many puny Christians? We're dwarfed. If we go around hobbling and leaning on crutches, some have to have crutch pills to wake them up, crutch pills to put them to sleep, crutch pills to make them feel good, crutch pills to make them feel bad. They have to have all kinds of problems come along and they just, you ask the average person, how do you feel? Some of them will say terrible. <laughs> Shame on you. If the Lord's gospel is in you, we ought to feel good. We ought to have joy unspeakable and full of glory regardless of what our physical body feels. When Polycarp went to be burned at the stake for preaching the word of God, he said to them, you don't have to tie me to that post. He said, I gladly stand here and suffer the pain in my body because I feel good toward God. And they burned him and he died and he woke in heaven. Well, the gospel is the power of God. There are a lot of words that we use power with today. We think of hydrogen power, atomic power, nuclear power, black power, white power, national power, political power, physical power, personality power, psychological power. There is a power struggle among the nations, each vying for supremacy. But the Bible says in Psalm 62:11, twice have I heard this, power belongs to God. In Psalm 75, 6, promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. 
he putteth down one and raiseth up another. And in Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Well, what is this power? It is the seedling power, the germ of life in a seed that springs up in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Keep in mind this was first given to the church while Jesus was here. He said, it is expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the comfort will not come to you. But if I go, the promise of the Father will come. And the promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. And so on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and, and like cloven tongues of fire sat on all the believers and baptized them into a body called the body of Christ. Corporately, the entire church was baptized by the Holy Spirit to become the body of Christ. And when individually we come to the cross and we recognize that Jesus died for us, that he was buried, three days later he was raised from the grave and he has power to live in our lives and to forgive our sin and heal our, our infirmities and we receive him, do you know what happens immediately? The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. He is the earnest of the expectation or the hope. He comes into our hearts, he remains there, and he never leaves nor forsakes us. And when we go home to God, the Holy Spirit goes. And you look at a dead body, the Holy Spirit isn't in that body any longer. Judy went to be with the Lord the other day. She struggled quite a while. And then that spirit left. And all that's there is the tabernacle in which she lived. Same with Miss Verney. Same with Glenda. Same with your loved ones. Well, you shall receive power. That power is available to every one of us. If that's true, what blocks that power? R.A. Torrey tells the story of uh, when he was young, they lived out on the farm and they didn't have a good well. So his daddy employed some people to come from town and they uh, dug a well right near the house. They went down, 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 and finally they hit a spring. And the spring brought water into that well and it came clear up to the top and it threatened to undermine the foundations of the house. And so he hired another man to come out. They let him down through that water with an old rag rug. He got to the bottom of that well and they pushed that rag rug into the spring and stopped the flow. And after a while, the well dried up. They went years like that. And then the daddy thought, we still need water. I think we'll get some masonry men to come. And they employed them. They came and they put rocks all around that hole to protect it so the water would not leak out. And then on a certain day, they let a man down 
And they said, now down there, somewhere, there's an old rag rug pushed into a spring in the hole. You find it and pull it and we'll pull you up and the water will come. So they went him, he went down and down and finally he looked and he found that old rag rug. He got hold of it and he pulled and he pulled and he pulled. And suddenly as he pulled, the water gushed out. They pulled the man up and all the years since, they've had plenty of water, spring water. What's wrong with our lives? They've got an old rag rug pushed in to the wellspring. And not until that rag rug is pulled out will we have spiritual power again. What are some of those rag rugs that we put there that keep us from having the spiritual power? Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, sometimes we depend on substitutes, and substitutes become old rag rugs. We depend on a building. We have a beautiful building. You know, every time I come into this auditorium, I thank God. We dedicated it in 1962. Stood out there in the rain, put that capstone over there, and you can see it today. And we had umbrellas, and we prayed and asked God to save the lost. And you know, at that time, I think we had the most beautiful auditorium in Bowling Green. They took a picture of some of the windows and put it in the newspaper. And after a while, the place was filled. And the people came. For a number of years. And then, did we start depending on the building to bring the people in? I don't know. I told our Sunday school class this morning that a number of years ago when we were winning hundreds of people to Jesus, and the place was packed. Over at Western, the college paper wrote an article demeaning us, talking about how wicked Glendale was because we sent all these people up there to the dormitories and we knocked on doors and tried to bother those people. At that time, many of those people were coming to Christ. And sometimes there would be an article in the newspaper, a letter to the editor saying, those folks from Glendale just bother us all the time. We were knocking on doors all over the city. You know how many we had at visitation last Thursday night? About seven. Used to have 50 or 60. And I want to ask you, have you let the old rag rug of being too busy with your family, with your business, with your work, and that old rag rug has plugged a hole so that your church cannot have the spiritual authority and freedom it once had because you went out and knocked on doors because you were filled with the Holy Spirit. We depend on substitutes. Put an article in the paper. I read the other day about a church in another city that had grown phenomenally they never one time put any article in the paper about it. It was word of mouth. You don't like that very well, do you? It's comfortable to stay home on Thursday night and take care of your family. It's comfortable to go do something else on Thursday night. Go visiting Aunt Phoebe or Uncle Jewel or somebody like that. 
or just find a thousand and one things to do. It's easy to do. I want to tell you, in the heart of our bus ministry, one time we had 700 on the bus, buses. I think of some of those bus pastors, they'd go out like Ron Chilton and Lana and Bill Vaught and uh, Mark Brooks and some of them, they'd go out, they'd, they'd say, we have to have another bus to help us. One time, more than once, Ron brought 180 people on the bus from Route 6 out there at Richardsville Road. 180 people. How'd he do that? You know what they did? They were dumb. They didn't have anything to do on Saturday, but go out and knock on doors for 10 hours. Talk to people about Wasn't that a dumb thing to do? But they won a lot of people to Christ. But in recent times, have we let an old rag rug of being too busy with other things that are very, 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 very important to rob us from the spiritual power of making a name for Christ? I'm just asking. I'm not accusing. I'm just asking. The shoe fits where it. Sometimes we have substituted organization. We've depended on other things. Or we've let disappointments get in our way. You know, I've heard of people not coming to church because somebody disappointed them. Isn't that funny? You ever been disappointed in a ball player? You just quit going to ball games, don't you? Not ever going to a ball game again because some so blah, blah, blah did something wrong. Somebody cheated or somebody... Uh, uh, gambled or somebody else had an affair with someone. You know, one of the great sportsmen of all times was spent time in prison because he'd raped somebody and when he got out, he went back to the sports and the place was jammed and packed with people coming to see him. But I'm not going to church because somebody disappointed me. Or there are a bunch of hypocrites over there. You know, you have to be smaller than the one you hide behind, you're going to be a hide behind a hypocrite. You've allowed the spiritual rags to plug up spiritual power so that God couldn't use you like he once did. What are some other hindrances? Sp scripture speaks of home life in such a way that your prayers be not hindered. Now listen, you won't like this. I'm giving it to you from the Word. The Word of God tells us that you're not to defraud one another in marriage. The most wicked thing a woman can do is to withhold herself from her husband. He needs you. That's the reason he's married to you. He needs you. The most wicked thing a man can do is to withhold himself from her, his wife. She needs you. That's the reason they married. You need to get down on your knees and ask God to give you the grace to forgive. Who on earth has not hurt somebody else in life? How many of you have never been hurt by anybody? Lift your hands. I don't see anybody's hands. Let me ask you the other way. How many of you have hurt somebody you didn't mean to? 
Lift your hands. See there. And do you mean to tell me that you can't forgive? When the Lord went to the cross and suffered all that anguish, and he could have called thousands of angels, but he suffered alone. He died for you and me so we could be forgiven. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you've allowed the old rag rug of unforgiveness to plug up the spiritual power that God wants you to have. You shall receive power. It's there. But you got old rag rug plugging up that power so you don't have any joy. It's hard to really laugh. It's hard to have a good time because you're so bowed down with yourself. Shame, thrice shame for those who name the name of Jesus to allow that in their lives. Unfaithfulness is an old right rug. Unfaithfulness to God. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Unfaithfulness. What a terrible, terrible monster that is. Yeah, Lord, I'll take you as my Savior. Please give me a fire insurance policy against hell. I want you to promise me I'll never have to suffer hell. But when Sunday comes, there's a ball game going on, or I'm lazy, or I'm tired, and I was up late last night. I'm not going to go to church. Unfaithfulness. unfaithfulness to our vows it would be shocking if we'd flash on a screen today the husbands that have been unfaithful to their wives or wives unfaithful to their husbands or boyfriends unfaithful to their girlfriend or girlfriend unfaithful to their boyfriend shame Unfaithfulness is like an old rag rug that stops the power of God in your life. And it can be removed. You can come to the Lord and ask Him to cleanse you and forgive you, and He'll do it because He wants to. He's just waiting for you in humility to come and say, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Well, I could go on and on. The Holy Spirit will reveal a lot of this to your heart. I don't have to name everything. Hindrances to spiritual power. What can we do about it? Well, there are two or three things that I want to lay on your heart, and then I'll be finished. And you'll be glad I'm finished. <laughs> Listen to this. What are we going to do? First of all, we need a holy contrition or humility. Not faked or false. Confess our need. We're baptized by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin, but we need something else. Second Chronicles 7, 14, If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. What are you going to do about these old rag rugs? Listen, you don't have to live under that all the rest of your life. You don't have to live under that. You don't have to say, oh my, the devil's kicking all that in my teeth. I don't know what to do. I just have to give up and die. Shame on you. We're, there's, there's a pardon at Calvary. <laughs> Isn't that good? Calvary covers it all. If we just get up and go, 
and say, Lord, here I am. I plead guilty. I'm wrong. I've plugged the spiritual power in my life, and I want you to forgive me. A humility of heart says, Lord, I'm sorry. And then a holy conduct. In Isaiah 59, the Lord is not sure, slow uh, counting his promises. He is long-suffering to usward. And in Isaiah 59 says, the Lord's ear is not heavy, nor his hand idle, that he cannot forgive and save, he will. Arnold Toynbee, lecturing in America some time ago, said, America shows the early signs of the ancient dynasties that came to power and melted and ruined away. They failed because of lust, luxury, and liquor. In Korea, had the joy of being there. Bill and Darla Ricketts are there now. And I know you'll pray for them there in South Korea. I had the joy of being in South Korea a number of years ago. Every morning at five o'clock, they'd get up, go to the house of God and pray. I remember taking a cab across the city to get to that place of prayer, and I thought maybe there'd be a preaching service. No, there wasn't any preaching. As soon as they got there, they all began to sing, and then they began to cry, and they began to pray. They prayed all out loud one time. And I saw tears, and later I said, what were you praying about? Oh, they said, we're praying about our sins and asking God to forgive us. We were praying about our country, asking God to not let North Korea invade us again. We were praying that God would give us spiritual victory. We have a prayer meeting every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. Three, four, I think yesterday there were seven. It's open to all of you. Seven to seven thirty we pray. Then we go eat breakfast together. Holy conduct. Holy control of our lives. Asking the Holy Spirit to come and take control of our lives. So we give ourselves to Him in such a way that He can use us. And we say, Lord, here am I. I give myself to you. I want you to control my thinking. I've told you this illustration before. <clears throat> Years ago, Roger and I were in a revival meeting in Owensboro, and we uh, got up early one morning, went to a restaurant to eat, and we were eating our breakfast, and a bunch of men came in, sat at a table over here. Pretty soon they started telling all kinds of weird, ugly, filthy stories, and laughing, <laughs> laughing at, at filth and trash. I said, Roger, if they can do that, we can sing, can't we? So we started singing, down at the cross where my Savior, and you know what happened? There was a holy hush. Pretty soon, one by one, they all got up and walked out. They were church members. In that same revival, we finished the service about 8.30 or 9 at night, and we were out sleepy. We were staying in a motel. And so we drove around town a little while and asked the Lord to show us what to do, why, why we couldn't go to sleep that early. Well, it's always been early, hard for me to go to sleep early. Anyway, we stopped at the train station. In those days, they had trains. And went into the train station. There was nobody there but the clerk. 
I walked over to him and struck up a conversation. Our dad was a railroader, and so we had some things in common. And then I said to him, sir, have you ever been saved? He looked at me with a tear in his eye and said, no, I've never been saved, but I want to be. We told him how to be saved. In about 10 minutes, he gave his heart to Christ. I'd never seen him before. We had asked, Roger and I had prayed and asked, Lord, we want you to control what we do tonight, where we go, how we behave, and what we do. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit will use you if you ask him. He'll use you. You don't have to live under the circumstances of an old life or unforgiven sins or prejudice or, un, or anything else. Just give yourself to him. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and out of the utmost parts of the earth. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the Word of God that is so true. We pray, Lord, help us to let the Holy Spirit come and take control and send a great revival in our soul. We pray that some here today who have lived under the past, under the shades of things they're sorry for and ashamed of, they just put that over on the cross. Trust the Lord to cleanse and forgive and not live under those circumstances. And may the old rag rugs be pulled out so that the wonderful spring of the water of life can flow freely through us into the lives of others. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.